Good morning. Welcome to Freedom Friday uh, on the Flame of Fire podcast. And of course, every Friday is dedicated to uh, historical topics. We look at American history. We look at current events. We look at both of these in light of the Bible. And that is right here on the Flame of Fire podcast. I am your host, Pastor David Bobbitt. I pastor the Liberty Baptist Church in Union, New Jersey. Thank you for joining us today on uh, this episode of Freedom Friday. I, uh, I want to share something with you that I read that I believe is very, uh, very powerful. It's something that I, I think is very applicable to what we are going through today in America. It is the first inaug- inaugural address of President Dwight D. Eisenhower in uh, very powerful words. And, you know, they were facing not only the Korean War, but as he spoke, uh, communism really was beginning to take over the world and, and, and countries around the world. And um, you saw it on a rise. And, of course, he fought that. And there was many different challenges they were facing in America at the time, and he addresses those as well. But as I read it, such powerful words, and I thought it would be a help to us today. And so uh, I hope you'll forgive me for reading such a long portion, but today I'd really just like to read for you the first inaugural address of President Dwight D. Eisenhower. He starts, My friends, before I begin the expression of those thoughts that I deem appropriate to this moment, would you permit me the privilege of uttering a little private prayer of my own, and I ask that you bow your heads. Almighty God, as we stand here at this moment, my future associates in the executive branch of government, join me in beseeching that thou wilt make full and complete our dedication to the service of the people in this throng and their fellow citizens everywhere. Give us, we pray, the power to discern clearly right from wrong and allow our words and actions to be governed thereby and the laws of this land especially we pray that our concerns shall be for the people regardless of station race or calling may cooperation be permitted and be the mutual aim of those who under the concepts of our constitution hold to differing political face so that all may work for the good of our beloved country and thy glory Amen. And then he starts his address, my fellow citizens, the world and we have passed the midway point of a century of continuing challenge. We sense with all of our faculties that forces of good and evil are massed and armed and opposed as rarely before in history. This fact defines the meaning of this day. We are summoned by this honored and historic ceremony to witness more than the act of one citizen swearing his oath to service in the presence of God. We are called as a people to give testimony in the sight of the world to our faith that the future shall belong to the free. Since the century's beginning, a time of tempest has seemed to come upon the continents of the earth. Masses of Asia have awakened to strike off shackles of the past. Great nations of Europe have fought their bloodiest wars. Thrones have toppled and their vast empires have disappeared. New nations have been born. For our own country, it has been a time of recurring trial. We have grown in power and in responsibility. We have passed through the anxieties of depression and of war to a summit unmatched in man's history. Seeking to secure peace in the world, we have had to fight through the forests of Argonne to the shores of Iwo Jima 
in the cold mountains of Korea. In the swift rush of great events, we find ourselves groping to know the full sense and meaning of these times in which we live. In our greatest, in our, our quest of understanding, we beseech God's guidance. We summon all our knowledge of the past, and we scan all signs of the future. We bring all our wit and all our will to meet the question, how far have we come in man's long pilgrimage from darkness towards light? Are we nearing the light, a day of freedom and peace for all mankind, or are we... are, are the shadows of another night closing in upon us. Great as are the uh, preoccupations absorbing us at home, concerns as we are with matters that deeply affect our livelihoods today and our visions of the future, each of these domestic problems is dwarfed by and often created by this question that involves all humankind. This trial comes at a moment when man's power to achieve good or to inflict evil surpasses the brightest hopes and the sharpest fears of all ages. We can turn rivers in their courses, level mountains to the plains, oceans and lands and skies are avenues for our colossal commerce. Disease diminishes and life lengthens, yet the promise of this life is imperiled by the very genius that has made it possible. Nations amass wealth, labor sweats to create, and turns out devices to level not only mountains, but also cities. Science seems ready to confer upon us as its final gift the power to erase human life from this planet. At such a time in history, we who are free must proclaim anew our faith. This faith is the abiding creed of our fathers. It is our faith in the deathless dignity of man governed by the eternal moral and natural laws. This faith defines our full view of life. It establishes beyond debate those gifts of the Creator that are man's inalienable rights and that make all men equal in his sight. In the light of this equality, we know that the virtues most cherished by free people, love of truth, pride of work, devotion to country, all are treasures equally precious in the lives of the most humble and most exalted. The men who mine coal and fire furnaces and balance ledgers and turn lathes and pick cotton and heal the sick and plant corn all serve as proudly and as profitably for America as the statesmen who draft treaties and the legislators who enact laws. This faith rules our whole way of life. It decrees that we the people elect leaders not to rule but to serve. It asserts that we have the right to choice of our own work and to the reward of our own toil. It inspires the initiative that makes our productivity the wonder of the world. And it warns that any man who seeks to deny equality among all his brothers betrays the spirit of the free and invites the mockery of the tyrant. It is because we, all of us, hold these principles that the political changes accomplished this day do not imply turbulence, upheaval, or disorder. Rather, this change expresses a purpose of strengthening our dedication and devotion to the precepts of our founding documents, a conscious renewal of faith in our country and in the watchfulness 
of a divine province. The enemy of this faith know no God but force, no devotion but its use. They tutor men in treason. They feed upon the hunger of others. Whatever defies them, they torture, especially the truth. Here, then, is joined no argument between slightly differing philosophies. This conflict strikes directly at the faith of our fathers and the lives of our sons. No principle or treasure that we hold from the spiritual knowledge of our free schools and churches to the creative magic of free labor and capital, nothing lies safely beyond the reach of this struggle. Freedom is pitted against slavery and lightness against the dark. The faith we hold belongs not to us alone, but to the free of all the world. This common bond binds the grower of rice in Burma and the planter of wheat in Iowa, the shepherds of southern Italy and the mountaineer of the Andes. It confers a common dignity upon the French soldier who dies in Indochina, the British soldier killed in Malaya, and the American life given in Korea. We know beyond this that we are linked to all free peoples, not merely by a notable idea, but by a simple need. No free people can for long cling to any privilege or enjoy any safety in economic solitude. For all our own material might, even we need markets in the world to the surpluses of our farms and factories. Equally, we need for these same farms and factories vital materials and products of distant lands. This basic law of interdependence so manifested in the commerce of peace applies with thousandfold intensity in the event of war. So we are persuaded by necessity and by belief that the strength of all free peoples lies in unity, their danger in discord. To produce this unity, to meet the challenge of our time, destiny has laid upon our country the responsibility of the free world's leadership. So it is proper that we assure our friends once again that in discharge of this responsibility, we Americans know and we observe the difference between world leadership and imperialism, between firmness and truculence, between thoughtfulness and calculated goals and spasmodic reaction to the stimulus of emergencies. We wish our friends the world over to know this above all. We face the threat, not with dread and confusion, but with confidence and conviction. We feel this moral strength because we know we are not helpless prisoners of history. We are free men. We shall remain free, never to be proven guilty of the one capital offense against freedom, a lack of staunch faith. In pleading our just case before the bar of history and pressing our labor for world peace, we shall be guided by certain fixed principles. We must be ready to dare all f we must be ready to dare all for our country. For history does not long entrust the care of freedom to the weak or timid. We must acquire proficiency in defense and display stamina and purpose. We must be willing individually and as a nation to accept whatever sacrifices may be required of us. A people that values its privilege above its principles soon loses both. These basic precepts 
are not lofty abstractions far removed from matters of daily living. They are laws of spiritual strength that generate and define our material strength. Patriotism means equipped forces and a prepared citizenry. Moral stanima means more energy and more productivity on the farm and in the factory. Love of liberty means the guarding of every resource that makes freedom possible, from the sanctity of our families and the wealth of our soil to the genius of our scientists. And so each citizen plays an indispensable role. The productivity of our heads, our hands, and our hearts is the source of all the strength we can command for both the enrichment of our lives and the winning of the peace. No person, no home, no community can be beyond the reach of this call. We are summoned to act in wisdom and in conscience, to work with industry, to teach with persuasion, to preach with conviction, to weigh our every deed and care with compassion. For this truth must be clear before us. Whatever America hopes to bring to pass in the world must first come to pass in the heart of America. The peace we seek, then, is nothing less than the practice and fulfillment of our whole faith, among ourselves and in our dealings with others. This signifies more than the stilling of our guns, easing the sorrow of war, more than the escape from death, it is a way of life, more than a haven for the weary, it is a hope for the brave. This is the hope that beckons us onward in this century of trial. This is the work that awaits us all to be done with bravery, with charity, and with prayer to Almighty God. Wow, what a powerful speech and so many quotes in there. And, you know, it it was men like Dwight Eisenhower who were godly men who uh, would pray and seek the face of God as they led our country that made a difference at a really a watershed time in history, a time when we had a choice before us of, of directions. And thank God that he put a man like Dwight D. Eisenhower in the White House. And let's continue to pray uh, for godly leadership. Let's continue to pray for our nation to be willing to sacrifice and fight for what's right. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Father, I ask today that you would please be of our nation. Lord, I pray that you would just lead and guide us. Lord, I pray you'd lead and guide us to revival. Father, I pray you'd just stir us as Christians to get a hold of you and, Lord, to to fulfill our part as citizens of this great nation. Lord, to, to pray for you to bring revival, to work to win souls to you and to build churches. And, Lord, I pray you just help us and empower us. Father, we love you. We need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.